Morning. It is Thanksgiving month, and our sermon series is Give Thanks to the Lord. I talk to Christians every week, probably a thousand good conversations a year with other Christians, probably. I haven't run the numbers on that, uh, but I've heard a lot of things from Christians, and every year I hear a lot of things from Christians. But there are a few things that I have never heard a Christian say, right? It's a few things. I have never heard a Christian say, you know what, Pastor Dave? I, I'm just too thankful. <laughs> now, I've heard people say, and I heard it this morning, I am so thankful. So I've heard that. But I've never heard a Christian say, I say amen too often. I think I need to quit being so grateful. I really struggle with the temptation to be thankful. Next year, I promise to say thank you less often. I've never heard those, and that's good because we are the thanksgivers. We're the thanksgivers. Think about it. If we thought as God's people, uh, recipients of God's amazing grace and mercy, if we thought that we were at the place in life where we were too grateful, we would be vastly underestimating God's goodness to us. We will never arrive. Even in glory, we will know that we were not and are not grateful enough. We will be perfect and sinless in the age to come. But God's goodness and his grace and his mercy are so overwhelming that we just need to be the people who say amen. amen. We're supposed to be thankful. Thanksgiving is our kind of a holiday. And today, we start a three-part series, Give Thanks to the Lord. And today, we'll learn that we can say amen because God keeps his covenant. We're going to be in 1 Chronicles 16, 8 through 36. And if you don't have your Bible with you, it's reprinted in your bulletin. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to read this awesome Thanksgiving service song. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the ability to be thankful. Thank you for grateful hearts. Forgive us for ingratitude. Forgive us for taking you for granted. Forgive us for going through whole days without singing your praise. Lord, teach us to be the thanksgivers. And may our culture of amen and thank you be a testimony to others that you are the God who keeps his covenant. You're the God of steadfast love. So teach us how to give thanks to you today. Thank you now for your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to see and hear. In Christ's name we pray, amen. First Chronicles 16, beginning in verse eight. This song is a combination of at least three different psalms. It's long and it's not long enough 
to satisfy the heart of gratitude that we need to have, but it's nice and long, so enjoy the reading of this song from God's Word. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob, as a statue to Israel, as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number and of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy are in his place." Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him. All the earth, yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. All the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen? Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Do you know what Amen means. We are the ameners. We are the thanksgivers. We have so much to say amen about. Do you know what the word means? It's sung at the end of famous songs like doxology. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. People say amen after prayers. The word means verily. It means truly. It means amen. It's like, yes, truth. I agree. If you went down the hall right now and went left, in the last room on the right is the Solid Rock Cafe. If you walked into that room and said, who wants candy and $20 bills? The noises and words you would hear would be amen. In their own way. Yes, truly, yes, awesome, truth, 
I agree. And it's said by God's people all the time. We are the thanksgivers. We say amen. And of course, fittingly, amen is the final word in the Bible. Revelation twenty two twenty. he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So at the end of the book, the promise is that Jesus says, I'm coming soon. And we say amen. And then we talk about God's grace. And then everyone says amen. This ends with amen because this is the story of God's redemption. And we are to be the thanksgivers for it. And here in our passage, 1 Chronicles 16, King David writes a song. He combines three worship songs plus more into this great thanksgiving service. And he assigns singers to sing these words over and over again. Just like we at Cornerstone on Thanksgiving Eve get together at 7 o'clock here. And we open up the microphones for everyone to say, Amen to the Lord for he's been good to me. The proper response after studying this song in 1 Chronicles 16 and reading it and listening to it is our main point this morning. Say amen because God keeps his covenant. Say amen because God keeps his covenant. There's three reasons related to God's covenant to say amen. Three points this morning. God's covenant commitment is a reason to say amen. God's wondrous works. And third, God's personal presence. Three themes to this song, God's covenant commitment, God's wondrous works, and God's personal presence. And at the end, we'll say amen, because God keeps his covenant. The first reason to say amen, to be a thanksgiver, is God's covenant commitment. In 1 Chronicles 16, it's a thanksgiving service convened in response to something God did in history. The Ark of the Covenant, this big golden container that God in Exodus gave the people the instructions to make, it was used to travel around with God's people in the wilderness and then eventually in the tabernacle and eventually in the temple, and it symbolized God's presence. And the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen by one of God's enemies. So the symbol of God's presence was taken away. But it was recovered. And King David says, let's get it all the way back to the tent that I have prepared for it. And so the Ark of the Covenant, stolen by the enemies, recovered by God's people, makes it all the way back to the place prepared for it. The Ark of the Covenant was back, and they're going to celebrate. They're going to celebrate something amazing God did. When you think of the Ark of the Covenant, what do you think of? I know what some of you think of. Some of you think of Indiana Jones in 1981 trying to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis get it in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Some of you, that's your understanding, and that's okay. But as we read Scripture more, maybe you thought of Exodus 25, which includes the instructions on how to build it. Maybe some of you think of what was in the box, the two tablets of the law, manna, and Aaron's staff. What do you think of when you think of the Ark of the Covenant? Well, the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen, was returned, and David wants everyone to celebrate this. What is he thinking of? He's thinking of the covenant commitment of God. That's why he's so grateful, because God keeps his covenant. And this victory for God's people was a reminder of God's covenant commitment. It's the first reason to say amen. Look at verse 14. 
and listen for the word covenant. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that he made with Abraham. He sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant. Stop there. God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And God's people have all of God's promises and all of these stories to tell of God keeping his promises. He's a promise maker and a promise keeper and a covenant is a bigger promise. It's a better promise. It's a stronger promise. It's a safer promise. It's a more assured promise. A covenant is unbreakable if made by someone unstoppable. And God made a covenant with his people and it was unbreakable. The Ark of the Covenant wasn't special because it was shiny. It was special because of the covenant promises God kept. And so when the ark made its way back to the tent, back home safely, David did not sell tickets for people to come and look at how impressive the box was. He scheduled a Thanksgiving service so that everyone would sing, Our God is a covenant keeper. He keeps his promises. And he wanted that song to resound through the land. It reminded them that God is a covenant maker, a covenant keeper. Say amen, because God keeps his covenants. But is God still keeping his covenant commitments? Well, for us in the new covenant, just look at the cross. God and mankind had a covenant and it was broken by us. We broke the covenant. So God sent his son to undo the curse, to fix what was broken, to crush the head of the serpent, to put an end to death itself. Hear the words from Hebrews 9.15. Therefore, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. God keeps his promises. We break ours, but he redeems covenant breakers through the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. David is giving thanks, and the people are saying amen because of God's covenant commitment, and we have an even greater keeping of God's covenant to look at. The cross of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God to save covenant breakers because God keeps his covenant. We can say amen because God keeps his covenant. That's the first reason to say amen. God's covenant commitment. Second, God's wondrous works. When we have the testimonies of thankfulness in the month of November and on Thanksgiving Eve when we gather here at the church to share stories, most of those stories are about God's wondrous works. We say amen because of God's wondrous works. Has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? I mean, even beyond salvation. Has God been good to you? We're going to hear testimonies of thankfulness all month, but we should fill our homes and our cars and our neighborhoods and our buses and our schools and our workplaces with thankful hearts because God's wondrous works show up when we need him the most. God's wondrous works remind us that God is active even when things look hard. 
And we know God keeps his covenant because he continues to do everything he promised. So let's look back at our passage. King David is writing this song and saying, hey, everyone of Israel, all God's people, look back to all that God has done, his wondrous works. Look at verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Verse 12. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Now, I know what you're thinking. We're going to keep reading, and maybe you missed it the first time, but did you miss David writing this song about how God brought the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, back to the place where they found it, which was the spurring on of this song. Did you miss that? You didn't miss that. I missed it until I studied this passage this week. I could not believe that in this song, there's no mention of the most recent amazing work God had done. King David is so thankful that God did something amazing that he wants his people to sing about how God has always and forever been faithful. And he always and forever will be faithful. He always will be doing wondrous works. And so he's saying, hey, everyone, fill your mind, not just with what you've received from God lately. He moves away from the temptation to say, God, you haven't done enough for me lately. He doesn't even mention the return of the Ark of the Covenant, which inspired the song. He says to the people, if God's been good to you lately, don't forget he's been good to you forever. In fact, look at verse 19 now. King David reigning on his throne, leading Israel in their greatest season of prosperity. He wants the people to remember that when it doesn't look like the lifestyles of the rich and famous, God was good to his people. Look at verse 19. When you were few in number of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. What did God do? Wondrous works. 21, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account saying, touch not my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. We say amen because of God's wondrous works. And we say amen when we're small, when we feel overlooked, when we don't have what everyone else has, when things are harder than what we think everyone else is going through, we can still say God is the God of wondrous works. And King David, at a time of great prosperity, doesn't want his people, God's people, to forget that God is the God of wondrous works. So are you grateful for getting through yesterday and getting the gift of breath in your lungs to worship God today? I hope you're grateful for that wondrous work. The song ends with a request for God to keep keeping his promises. Verse 35. Say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks. Stop there. David is saying, let's thank God that he saves us so that we can thank God. We are saved to be the thanks givers. They say amen because of God's wondrous works. David wants them to sing that. He wants God to save them that we may give thanks to your holy name. So we're saved from sin and death for thankfulness. We are the thanksgivers. 
And remember, friends, if there's a time when you're poor or lonely or sickly or mocked or rejected or outcasts, when you feel like everyone else is against you, the covenant-keeping God is for you 100%, and he will never leave you or forsake you. His wondrous works are amazing. And don't forget God's salvation. If we only were saved and had a terrible life since salvation, God's salvation would be more than enough. Amen? Amen. One of my favorite stories to tell was of one of our uh, members, Charlie Sharp. We have his uh, widow, Pat Sharp, worshiping with us still to this day. And he went home to be with the Lord on Christmas Eve 2016. And I asked him one day before he passed how his day was going. And I knew that he had gone through some serious trials, some difficulties in his life. Trials that brought tears to his eyes that day when I asked him. I said, how are you doing today? And he said, are you kidding me? We're saved. It's the best day ever. That wasn't long before he died. Amen? Can you say that? Say amen because God keeps his covenant. We say amen because of God's wondrous works. That's point two. Three reasons to say amen. God's covenant commitment, God's wondrous works, and finally, God's personal presence. The Ark of the Covenant, which had returned to the tent that David had prepared for it, which inspired this song, was the symbol of God's presence among his people. And that's why some of Israel's enemies used it like a trophy, like stealing a rival school's mascot. Why is that a tradition? Were you a part of that, or stealing the rival high school's mascot? In 2021, before the Army-Navy football game, Army cadets tried to steal Navy's mascot, which is an actual goat named Bill the Goat. And uh, the Army cadets kidnapped the wrong goat. And then they lost the football game. What in the world started that? Well, maybe it was this story that started that tradition. Because Israel had many enemies. And in 1 Samuel, we read about many of them. The Philistines were a big enemy of God's people. And in 1 Samuel 4, there's a battle between Israel and the Philistines. And the Israelites decide, let's because things haven't been going well for us lately, let's carry the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of God's presence, into battle with us. So they bring the Ark of the Covenant into battle, uh, they think, to help them win. But there's a problem because there was wickedness in Israel's land that they had not repented of. So they thought they could use God's presence in the Ark of the Covenant like a magic talisman to ward off evil, while still having sin in their midst. But that's not how the presence of God works. Maybe that's how you are tempted to treat God. You've got a necklace or a charm in your purse or a painting on the wall. Does it remind you of God's glorious presence? Amen. But does it distract you from God's actual presence? He doesn't ride around in charms. He doesn't live in picture frames. His presence is terrifying and mighty and powerful. And so the Israelites didn't want to repent of their sins, but they wanted God to give them victory. So they carry the ark into battle and they lose because there's sin in their land they haven't repented of. And they're using God as a magic charm. 
And the Philistines know why Israel's using it, so they steal the ark. And then they try and use it like a victory charm. Ha ha, a token of victory over their enemies. And everywhere they pass it, town and temple and different things, the people get sick and some people die. And it's miserable for them because they also can't get close to the presence of a holy God. So the Israelites can't use it as a charm for selfish gain. And the Philistines can't use it to mock God's presence is holy and mighty and terrifying. But God's people are promised his presence, not taking his forgiveness for granted. We turn from our sins and we trust that God's presence is with us. Look at verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Do you know that you are on the first name basis with the creator of the universe? I mean, seriously, who is the most famous person you know that is on a first name basis with you? Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. You're on a first name basis with the three persons of the Trinity who spoke you into existence. We have the presence of God and we can use his name and he knows our name. Look at verse 11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. The Ark of the Covenant was not about the box. It was about the God who is present with his people. And then we see this great contrast. Why should we be so grateful? Why can we say amen? Because of God's perfect personal presence. And you can't get this kind of presence from any other God. We try. Everyone's trying to get their God present in their lives. We have it. But look at the other gods. Look at verse 25. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all. All gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. And so David is saying, let's sing a song about how God's presence is there for us. And you can't find the presence of a God anywhere else. Look at verse 29. Now ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. We say amen because of his personal presence. But there's one warning. You can't take the presence of God for granted. The Israelites did, taking the ark into battle. The Philistines did, thinking they could hold God's presence in a box and carry it around town as a trophy. Look at verse 30. Tremble before him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. God's covenant that he keeps means his presence is with us. God with us. God near you today. God near you this week. He's not a far off God like Zeus. The picture of Zeus watching the earth from a distance, ready to throw a lightning bolt when he gets angry. That's a far off false God. God, the true God is near. And he is most near in the person of Jesus Christ, who came to walk among us. But not everyone believes. Back in 1961, Yuri Gagarin was the first person in space. And it was reported that he was saying a few things afterwards. He was interviewed and someone said, did you see God? And he said, no, I I looked around and I didn't see God up there. Well, at the time, a Christian author responded to that sentiment And he said, well, that's like Hamlet going up into the attic of his castle trying to find Shakespeare. 
The author wrote, we characters might be able to know quite a lot about the playwright, but only to the degree that the author chooses to put information about himself in the play. Well, Christians believe that he did more than give us information. He wrote himself into the play as the main character in history when Jesus was born in a manger who went on and rose from the dead. What do we say in Advent? His name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. God's people have always had a God who is near. It's something to say amen about his personal presence. And here's why this is really good news. Because everywhere you go, there are temptations to get the presence of another God close to you. And they will all fail you and let you down. Temptations everywhere to get another God to bring his presence close. And there's only one who can do for your heart what you need him to do. And all the rest are false gods. Verse 26, all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. So who are these other idols? When we say amen this week, it's going to be tempting to say amen to false gods. These other gods are all over the news and all over your home. Think about your phone. Lots of little gods live in your phone. Think about all those little promises. I can give you entertainment. I can give you happiness. I can give you joy. I can give you pleasure. I can give you food right now. I can give you two-day delivery on anything your heart desires. And it's so close, you put that thing in your pocket. But are those gods close to you like the Lord is close? No. Can your phone or anything on it comfort you like God? Did your phone pray for you last night? Did your phone hug you last night? Is your phone presence in your life? And often what do we do? We take that phone and we look to those other gods and we put that source of false gods in between us and the other people God gave us to love. So we put those gods in between the gifts God has given us to remember that he is close to us. All the false gods are distant and useless. Verse 26, all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. Consider now the Muslim god, Allah. Not every Muslim you know is a militant Muslim. Clear distinction. However, Hamas right now wants to bring Allah's presence to Palestine and to Israel, don't they? That's what they are saying. Allah has sent us to bring with a sword if needed and with violence and unprovoked anger if needed to this place. Let us do whatever it takes to bring Allah's presence to Israel. And so militant Muslims are trying to kill all the Jewish people. And it's disastrous to see all these American college students marching in support, not just of the innocent Palestinians who don't deserve to be in a war zone, but against all Jews. Even some elected officials officials are siding against Israel in every way, saying they deserved it. One representative, Rashida Tlaib, was censured this week, even by members of her own party, for saying the kinds of things that everyone knows mean, let's kill all the Jews. Allah, as it is understood by militant Muslims, wants to bring peace and his presence to the land by killing everyone who's not a Muslim. That God cannot ever be close. 
In fact, in contrast to that God, the one true God sent his son to come and be killed so that he might be close to his people. And he sends us out not to kill our enemies, but to love our enemies. Consider some other gods in the news. Consider the God of pleasure. Americans in Ohio voted this week to worship the God of sexual gratification, zero personal responsibility, and child sacrifice. They voted to make abortion a constitutional right. Isn't it interesting that every child is a gift from God to remind you of his blessing and presence and his promises kept? And Ohioans voted to worship the God of those sins that their God might come close to them and give them joy. And the result is the permission to end the life of the greatest gift the one true God has given them. Talk about voting to remove God's personal presence. False gods are everywhere. They're in the news. They're on your phone. They're in your home. And sometimes they're in your heart. Verse 26 is again, brothers and sisters, beware. This week you want to be a thanksgiver. Make sure your heart is giving thanks to the one true God and not constantly going to the other false gods. Those gods are worthless. Isn't it great to have a God who is present? But what about those who serve false gods? Doesn't your heart break for them? What do we want for them? Why do we celebrate Thanksgiving? Well, we must be the people who say amen all the time. Verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. We are to be a thankful community so that everyone in Ohio and everyone in Hamas and all of our neighbors and all of our friends, no matter who they worship, will see that there is a God of covenant faithfulness whose people have amen on their lips every day, all the time, to be a thankfulness community, a thanksgiving community. Brothers and sisters, being a culture in your heart, in your home, in your church, on your phone, Being thankful is evangelism. Being thankful is evangelism. Thankfulness spreads the good news of Jesus. We say amen because God keeps his covenant. So as we close, there's three reasons to say amen. God's covenant commitment, he keeps his promises. God's wondrous works, he does great things. And God's personal presence, he is with us forever. So brothers and sisters, this month, Thanksgiving month, let's be thanksgivers. Let's fill this church with amens, our homes with amens, our phones with amens, and our world with amens. Verse 36, one last time. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, amen, and praise the Lord. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your covenant faithfulness. Thank you for your wondrous works. Thank you for your personal presence. Father, forgive us for how often we run to other gods for the presence that only you can give. Father, help us love our neighbors who don't worship you with the love you have for them. Give us thankful, grateful hearts this week so that our friends and neighbors might see that there is a God who keeps his promises and who is good to his people. And will you open doors for conversations about how good you've been to us. Help us be thanksgivers. 
and help us to lighten your son, Jesus, who for the joy set before him went to the cross and died in our place so that we who were sinners could be close to a holy God. Thank you. In Jesus' name we thank you and pray. Amen.